Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. Hey guys, how's everybody doing today? Today we have Jesse T with us. He is the founder and host of the Jesse T Show, which is a podcast. So obviously if you're listening to this, you are a podcast listener, so go check him out. He is the founder of Four, Six, and Two Wealth Partners. But before that, he was in the financial services for years as branch managers for banks, small business consultants, director of operations for different companies, and he also had a stint in the military, and so we might get into that a little bit. But Jesse, I want you to kind of talk about your journey, where you started, how you started, and how you got into the financial business. I love it. Thank you so much for that amazing introduction, Heather. It's a, it's a pleasure. I'm humbled to be with you this morning. It's going to be a great time. Uh, and, you know, any value I can leave, that's my goal. So thank you again. You know, for, for me and my story, a quick overview, um, you know, I was born and raised in the city of Boston. I grew up, I wouldn't even say blue collar. I don't even know if we had a collar. We had no money. Uh, and so from an early age, I understood the need for money because we had, uh, we were coming from a place of lack. Um, and, and scarcity, but I never truly resonated with that because I always felt pretty abundant in my beliefs and things like that. So I just, I knew when I was young that money was going to be a narrative of my life, like it is for many people. And so growing up, uh, you know, I faced some adversity through life. Um, you know, I was bullied for some years when I was young in grade school, like many people are. Uh, that taught me a lot about myself and about the world. You know, going through high school, uh, I had less of bullying behind, but I had dealt with a lot of other demons. My father was a 40-year heroin addict that, uh, you know, really shaped my view on relationships and different things as a child. And I actually fell into a substance abuse myself for a while um, before I left for the military, like you mentioned, and that changed my life. Um, I left and came down from Boston in 2006 after I returned from the military and started anew, started from scratch, like a lot of people probably um, that might be listening to this. They have to figure out finances, they have to figure out how to go from bare bones basics to building a life for themselves. And I was very fortunate and very blessed to be able to do that. So fast forward through the years, had opened up my first company. I moved down to Georgia in 2006, opened up my first company, and I think it was 2007. Um, it was a sales organization dealing with people, basically like Groupon, before Groupon was really huge, or maybe it had just been started by then. But I had an outside sales team that was selling like certificates door-to-door, business-to-business, working on commission. I tell this story because it was great, it was wonderful. You know, we're a poor kid from Boston who was always kind of entrepreneurial, spirited, minded, um, was finally living that dream, but I wasn't any way, shape, or form prepared to handle money. So I was buying things I didn't need, showing off where I didn't need to show off, and basically not being smart about money. And so that was another lesson that brought me to where I am today in present form. And in 2009, after three years of running that company, uh, my wife and I at the time, who they say in Georgia, we were living in sin because we were dating and we were living together, but we weren't married, just whatever, no big deal. Uh, we got pregnant and we had a daughter who came out injured at delivery after a healthy pregnancy. And what that meant was when she came out, she was alive, but she needed to be put on life support. 
And after seven days, the doctors figured out that she wasn't going to survive without the machine and she would never wake up. And that's what we were left with. And so we made a decision after seven days to let her go. And so for that moment in time, it was really a crazy thing, it was surreal because I had to hold my daughter in her, my arms so she took her last breath. And it's not like the movies. It's not like where you see something very romantic where it happens in just a few moments and they pass away and it's like this quick, serene, beautiful thing. My daughter was a fighter, just like you know, I've become in my life and my wife is, and she held on for like 10 or 15 minutes and it was 10 or 15 minutes forever it felt like where she was gasping for air and whatever and so it really shaped my mindset um, after she passed away of how precious life is and how short life can be and her seven day life had impacted us so much to this day we have a nonprofit that we help people to go through those things where they lose children from a miscarriage all the way up to the death of an adult child we have support services there but it also taught me the value of time and so time is everything when it comes to finance when it comes to relationships when it comes to uh, health and wellness, which I'm a really big uh, advocate for. There's a, there's a uh, stoic philosophy that I believe in called memento mori. It means know that you're mortal, know that you're going to die. But with that knowledge, make sure that you're making the most of every waking second you're gifted with. And so taking these life lessons into account, taking these struggles and overcoming these things, I've made me extremely grateful for where I am today. And I've you know, been poor and I've been able to build wealth and all these crazy things have led me to this point. And so now fast forward through those years, my wife and I went to a second pregnancy where we had a miscarriage. And then we finally had our third pregnancy where we had our five-year-old son, Grayson, who's an amazing human being. And he's also a handful. And then we had, yeah. right, like kids are. And then I had a, we had a three-year-old son. We had a three-year-old son, William. Um, who we're blessed to have, and they're great, a, a great combination together. But, um, you know, so we've seen the worst of the worst, we've seen the best of the best. And through those years, I really put a focus on learning about finance, teaching myself, going out and seeking knowledge, learning from others. In 2011, after I shut down that business, because we needed to start over after we lost our daughter, started finance. And that's led into a career into the day 2019, where now I operate as a loan investment manager, wealth planner, financial planner. It works as a fee-only investment advisor. And what that means is I'm in, the advice, I'm in the advice business and I don't charge commissions for my advice. So that means there's never a conflict of interest of how I help my clients. Because I win when they win. And by law, I have to do it in their best interest. Right. Awesome. Your background and your story is just amazing. So many things, so many questions and, yeah, and things. So Let's go back to kind of childhood and just kind of walk through the everything in the steps. So you mentioned that you were, became a heroin addict and that, you know, you had to push past that. Uh, you know, there may be a lot of our listeners out there that have turned to drugs and just sure. because of the situations that they're in, what steps did you take and, um, to get out of that experience or move past that? Or, yeah. or did you have to hit rock bottom before you did that? Uh, you know, yeah. just kind of. Talk about that a little bit. It was, it was, yeah. So my, my experience was uh, in the town I grew up in, in Boston specifically, it's one of the hotbeds for opiate addiction in the world. And so it's weird because you can drive through the city, through the, the, uh, the, the suburbs, and you can see people that are like uh, nodding off, so to speak, like look like they're sleeping, standing up, or it's just, it's a really bad environment. So for my dad, who had done her for 40 years, I had seen it, known about it, but uh, I fell into a trap of the rat race up there where a poor kid with no means 
and surrounded by some people that I knew that were selling drugs and doing drugs, like I was lured into that kind of game. And so I ended up selling drugs, I ended up uh, started up with like weed. And then with my entrepreneurial spirit, I was like hiring people to sell for me and like all this stuff. And really felt like, you know, it's so surreal to tell this story because it feels like a lifetime ago, but then it led into another drug, which was Oxycontin. And Oxycontin is basically heroin in a pill. And there was a lot of fast cash, a lot of easy cash. And then I started doing that. And that led down a path of a total of two years of drug use where it ended with like the last year or so of doing heroin, shooting heroin. And so I became my dad, which was crazy because I hated my dad growing up. And I was straight, straight late, and, you know, student athlete kind of thing. And I finally became my dad. And it was a weird thing because I, I, I learned to understand him more by going through that and understand what he had been through so I could love him differently. And he actually picked heroin after 40 years. And the last 10, 12 years of his life, he went, you know, not any drugs. And he became a great dad and, and a great uh, grandparent to my papa, to my kids. Mm-hmm. But for me, after two years, so I had, I had started for about a year, tried to escape, went to the military. When I came back from the military, I kind of fell back to old habits after a while. And so that was enough. That was the second year that I had done drugs. And then at the end of that time, I realized I was going to end up dead or in jail. I knew people that were dying from it. I knew people that were going to jail from it. My cousin, who was a month older than me, we grew up almost like brothers. He was in and out of jail, robbing people, doing crazy stuff. And I had never got down that path, but I knew I could go down that path. And so for me, it was a gut check. It was a the way I, and the way I can kind of summarize it is the way I used to, my two years of a drug habit, the way I used to operate, I would, I would go to sleep and dream about a beautiful life. But when I woke up, I was in hell, so to speak. And then when I finally broke that drug addiction for like the first year after I stopped doing drugs, I would have nightmares of being a junkie again, but wake up to a better life. So it was like this transition. So what happened was I got high one last time, right around the spring of 2006. And I had a sister living in Ackworth, Georgia, that said, hey, come on down, get away from Boston, um, maybe for, for the summer. And I had shot up one last time, took a 30-hour Greyhound bus from Boston to Georgia, which wasn't fun at all. No, um, no, I, I don't imagine. Wait, yeah, if you've ever ridden a Greyhound before and you're over six foot tall, you're screwed. Because if you fall asleep on the bus, you're kicking that metal bar underneath you. Like, like I would switch and like, kick that bar. <laughs> and so my shins were all banged up. But um, I ended up, you know, that was the last time I ever did drugs you know i'll drink whatever now and then but i don't do drugs anymore so since 2006 the present day 13 years i just went cold turkey and just decided to it was never who i was meant to be it was something that from poor life choices or you know abuses or traumas in my life i was masking pain and i just left that whole situation behind in 2006 till now and it completely changed my life that's awesome so your one person would would you say would be your sister that kind of pulled you out of that, that support system was, or did you have anybody else that you tried to turn to or uh, yeah. was she really just your, your person? I would say, you know, we weren't even super close because my mom and dad were never married and they, they had previous marriages. They were married before they had me and they had my two older sisters from each separate marriage. So I had like two half sisters with one of them I'm super close with. The other one that I wasn't super close with, we were trying to build a relationship. That's the one that invited me to come down okay. and be closer to her in Georgia. So because she opened up her home to me, and then my other sister, who I'm super close with, actually funded some of this. Like she paid for the bus ride, she paid for some of this stuff. If it wasn't for those two coming together in that moment serendipitously, I, I would probably be better in jail. 
And so, yes, it was because of them coming together um, as a support system, even though it was kind of piecemeal together, even though it wasn't like known that they were doing that, like I knew what I was doing, but I was shameful to talk about this. It was kind of orchestrated that way, but they didn't know until years later when I told them that story. So. Wow. So they, it was just kind of like a, a miracle that they uh, happened to come together and discuss this, this plan to get you out of Boston. Yeah. Well, they didn't, they didn't come together. I was the glue. Like I was the one that reached out separately to one sister in Georgia and said, Hey, you know, I'm looking for a change. I need to get out of here. Like there's lots of crazy stuff. I want to get away from this. And then I reached out to my other sister separately and said, Hey, I can use some money to get to Georgia. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she hooked me up, she hooked her brother up. And uh, you know, that was 13 plus years ago. And it's completely, I'll tell you, it's changed my life. I've always, you know, worked hard before I got into doing that stuff and I've always wanted to grow and do things great things but I got trapped I was in a yeah. trap and uh, it's made me the most grateful and humble human being in the world I've gone to those things that's awesome and I you really have you know even as as you said as a drug dealer you'd had the entrepreneurial spirit yeah. and, you know <laughs> felt that little sounds terrible but yeah right <laughs> but it's it's been in you ever since then so now you're in Georgia you're getting clean and sober so then you started this financial business. What yeah. got you into finances in the first place? Was it because you never had money growing up or was there something, did you like say, I want to go to college and then all of a sudden you took a class and you're like, wow, finances are interesting or. Yeah. So that entrepreneurial spirit was always in me, even from when I was a kid, selling, trading, buying baseball cards, uh, comic books, which I'm super into to this day. I love comic books. I have a whole huge collection. I'm telling Zach about this yesterday on a phone call. I have like 10,000 comic books, but, um, wow. but, uh, but so, yeah, but like, so, you know, business was my thing, like, like being in business and trying to figure out different things. When I was a kid, I used to set up carnivals. My friends would come and like pay me a quarter to like play this thing that I put together that was like, they went like a, stuffed animal I had for years like I, you know like I always had this kind of knack but I learned about the financial side because the lack of growing up with like the lack of growing up without money motivated me to learn more about how to make money and learn more about money and so through my journey in life I started seeing uh, different people and, and business owners and people that were in finance and so after I shut down that company in Charlotte was back to Atlanta Georgia I actually got into finance and this was just around 2011 I started off as a banker banker with a local bank here um, and then I became a branch manager and then a vice president which means nothing anymore uh, and then um, a business banker and so I kept around that business and finance and then eventually during that process I saw financial planning and I saw it through the lens of uh, an internal financial planner at the branches so like two or three branches of like let's say a local bank might share a financial planner that hops around to each branch throughout the week and any referrals you have for that financial planner, uh, you would send them their way. And so I was the branch manager managing those referrals as a team. So if I had my team of bankers that said, hey, you know, this person could be a financial planning client, we would refer it over to the financial planner. And that was that kind of that nepotism, keeping it inside, inside of the bank. But I saw what they were doing um, and I saw some really good examples and I saw some really bad examples. And it's like, I can do that. And I think I could do that a lot better than this. And so I set on my journey. I'm a learner, an educator, a growth-minded person by heart. And so I started studying these things. I started getting licenses for these things. And then after my banking career, I segued to a career for about a year and a half at State Farm as an agent. So I had my own office, had a team of people, and I was a financial planner. Like they have financial planning products that you can use there. Uh, you can help people, but it never felt right. And so just fast forward till today. So now I've been in the financial services uh, industry since 2011. 
now I'm full-blown financial planning and I run my own business and I manage my clients and I help people live well today through financial planning, but never run out of money in the future. That's awesome. So yeah, let's talk about your business now. How did you start that? Did, did you have business partners? Did you do anything? It's called four, six and two, right? 46 and two. 46 yeah. so, and two. Yep. So 46 and two is the next step in human evolution. So if you look at the number of chromosomes we have currently, the idea is that when we evolve, we'll, we'll gain what's called unity consciousness and we'll become better people, better humans, we'll be able to work better together. And that just made so much sense for my business is where I came from. I wanted to work better with my clients. I want to work better with partners and relationships. And I continuously evolve and they continue to evolve. So it just makes so much sense. Plus it's from a really cool songs and tools, which is a badass band. And I love school and I love what they stand for and they're, they're super intelligent people and so I'm like okay I like this I like this idea and so I just kind of stole that idea and made it my own but in terms of the infrastructure of the business how that was born after State Farm I wasn't a fan of the whole deal there decided to go back and be truly independent and I went to State Farm for running Tedisco Financial and so the plan was to run Tedisco Financial for two years as an independent financial planner where I could help people with their finances make better decisions and anytime life intersected with money buying a home, buying a car, paying off debt, all that stuff. I wanted to help them with that. And so I ran that for about two and a half years. And the goal was to always move into what I'm doing now, which is uh, I had to get another license so that I could become what's called an investment advisor. And as an investment advisor, I could advise on anything financial planning related um, and get paid a fee for doing that versus having to sell a product or a service to somebody. And that's just the route I, I went down. So now 46 and two well partners, is a registered investment advisory firm here in Georgia. I have oversight from the state administrator, but I don't have to work through like a broker dealer. I don't have to sell products and services that may or may not make sense to people. I can literally impact people's lives through coaching and guidance on how to make prudent financial decisions, which most people don't have the right information to do that. And so I can teach people how to budget better. I can teach people how to get more cash flow without costing them any more money. I can teach people how to pay off debt or leverage debt, all the way up to full-blown wealth management. If you want to pay for college for the kids, if you want to buy a house, if you want to leave a legacy behind where you have a ton of money. So all the way from opening up a checking account to leaving money behind for a, a, go, uh, sorry, a cause or donation or for your children, I run the whole gamut of money. That's awesome. So let's get into that a little bit. Let's, let's maybe give some little tidbits to our listeners because I'm sure yeah. they would love to just get a little bit of information. So a lot of the people that we help through surviving to thriving and, or that may be listening to this have nothing. Um, they left a situation that they were in where they would probably had their money controlled for them. They probably don't have a checking account or, or anything, any means or income. So let's say they come into our program. We find them a job. They've got income coming in finally. Yep. What's their next step? How do they get out of this cycle of living paycheck to paycheck? Yep. So there's two things. So I'll give you the, the mindset slash kind of woo side of things. And then I'll give you the practical what they actually should do. So the first part is mindset. And, and you see this, this behind me. It's this mindset is everything. It's the goldfish, the shark thing. You keep believing you're the shark, that you'll be the shark, right? Like, like, but you have to get to that point. It's the same thing for someone who's in transition. Same thing for someone who's been through a bad divorce or an abuse or a breakup. You have to change your mindset about things first. And you have to learn from people that have been through those things, that have come through the other side of it, that are in a positive way now. Right? They may not be completely healed. They may never be completely healed. But they're working towards that. 
you want to start surrounding yourself with good people, right? The average, you're, you're the average of five people that you're closest to. Mm -hmm. So now you're starting to pick up this, this mindset from people where you're around more positive people, stronger people, more confident people, finding those people through community, through groups, through therapy, wherever it may be. And then identifying the rule of thirds. So the rule of thirds is I have a third of my contacts that are ahead of where I need to be. I have a third of my contacts that are right where I need to be. And I have a third of my contacts that I can help raise up and groom and teach the things that I know. Once you have that mindset of how to operate in the world and how to connect yourself with those great people, now you're in also with the right information, the financial planning. So there's a lot of great financial planning information out there. You're just gonna find the right person that can share it with you because most people don't have the time because that's the knowledge to go out and do it themselves. And that's why I exist. This is like, I, I can do that for a client. And so now what that person does when they're armed with the knowledge, they're armed with the right information, the right mentality, the right mindset. Now what do they do? So if it's someone like you illustrated, they just went through this terrible situation or they're, they're in a job now and they're starting to make money. Well, the first thing you have to look at, the first thing that most people are concerned with is cash flow. How can they keep more of their money? It's the biggest question, right? There's so many strategies, there's so many things, but the basics are simple. Don't spend more than you earn and don't buy shit that you don't need. Like, just don't do it. Right? So, <laughs> you say that. Yeah, it's true, it's, but it's a mindset thing. It's just like working out. It's like eating right. It's like, um, you know, connecting with people that are going to level up with you. you. You have to be intentional about it. And it's very doable. It's very doable. And I do, I do tongue in cheek kind of joke about it, but it's true. And I've done it myself and I've helped many clients do it. And it's all about the right habits. And it's, you know what it is? It's, let's say you're working on your fitness. Let's say you're working specifically on nutrition. And you have that beautiful piece of cake or beautiful piece of pie that you're just crushing and you usually crush it all the time. It's the next time you do it, eat half and put the other half away or throw it away, whatever. Making small incremental changes over time add up. Atomic habits, if you get like 0.01% better every day, there's this little curve that's been famous for the last few months, like you, can, you take off. So it's not about trying to take your whole paycheck when you first get that check and save the whole thing because that's just not practical. Right. It's taking... 10%, 5%, whatever you can afford, and paying yourself first. That's one of the first tips, is pay yourself first. Yes, you're gonna have bills. Yes, you're gonna have obligations. But you're the one who just traded time for money. So take some of that money for yourself. If you get a thousand bucks, keep as much of it as you can and pay your bills. Right. The way you put it to use, initially, if you wanna build an emergency fund, so if someone has zero dollars, you wanna build up to a thousand dollars emergency fund because that takes care of most quick day-to-day -day issues. And that may seem insurmountable for most people, but it's just progress. 50 bucks a month, 25 bucks a week, whatever the number is, right? It's different for everybody. Right. But once you get that thousand dollars under your belt, you've built habits, you've built success, you're starting to see wins, you're, you're rewarding yourself. And maybe you go out and you do something nice for yourself when you hit that thousand, right? You don't take the whole thousand and blow it, obviously. And maybe you go on a nice dinner, right? Or whatever it is that you're into. Buy yourself some new fitness equipment, buy yourself a new book, like whatever it is. You have to reward yourself along the way because if you do all this, my whole mindset is, like I said, Memento Mori, know that you're going to die to live your life today. You have to enjoy today to some degree because you're not guaranteed tomorrow, but you have to be practical. It's a trick, right? right. So now, now you're working towards that $1,000. You put it into a bank account. You find a bank. This is another practical tip that works in the real world. Find a local bank like a credit union or a bank that can actually do what they say they can do. So for me, when I was in banking, I always wanted to help my clients because 
they have come from other situations where other banks have spurned them for fees and they couldn't do anything for them. And then the banks, I have a, a weird relationship with banks now because they need our money to survive, right? Like they don't survive without our money. Right. But you can find good people still in banking, but you'll know it when you meet them, right? So what I would say, go after a branch manager, go after a banker inside of a bank if you still do it that way. Because some people bank online, but if you do want that relationship where someone can help you, you might need help with a, a fee being waived, you might need help with checks, you might need help with money orders, you might need help with transferring money, whatever the case is. Find someone that you like, know, and trust in that bank that they can help build your, your, your banking side of things. So now you're working on that relationship. Now you have a thousand dollars of emergency fund. You've built these little atomic habits that are working for you. And then from there, now you can start building on your nest egg slash your cash flow month to month. And the way that you want to look at it from here is like, let's say one of your people that come through your program, their cost of living is 5,000 bucks a month, whatever that number. You want to have anywhere from one to three months of that cost of living saved up, saved up in case something catastrophic happens. So now you've built a thousand dollar emergency fund. Now, if you can build on in this instance from $5,000 a month, you can build $5,000 and or up to $15,000 cash. That's a huge breathing like yeah. fix. Like that's so much oxygen. You get so much confidence and so much indifference where you feel like you can kind of and, and again, it all started with saving that first little bit to get to the checkpoint of a thousand to now get to the checkpoint of the first month to get to the checkpoint of three months of cash flow. And then at that point, you're working on other habits. And so like all these little wins, you're seeing these things stack simultaneously for people that are going through like a cash flow or growth where they're looking to save more money, make more money. They can work on their debt. And so a really good technique is the debt snowball. And a lot of this stuff comes from Dave Ramsey. It's tried and true. So you can build two things when it comes to paying off debt. And then if one day down the line, if you want to leverage debt, you can use that in a, in a whole separate way. You don't even have to eliminate debt, but for most people, they want to get rid of debt. Right. So the way to do that, let's say you have 10 debt instruments, like your credit card, your auto loan, your home, whatever. Pick the smallest one. Again, you want to see the mindset shift of this. Pick the smallest one and pay it off. First. And the way that you do that is you pay minimums on all other nine items while making your monthly payments so you don't get dinged. But then you take any extra cash flow that you now have monthly without dipping into your savings, unless you want to, and then just pay off that small credit card first or whatever it is. Take the savings from that small credit card, add it to what you've paid off for the next item, number nine. And when you work your way all the way up, eventually you're creating that debt snowball where your cash flow is getting more powerful and you're knocking off debt. That's another strategy. So I would, I would attack cash flow first. I would find a good bank that can help you with your transactions. And then I would focus on knocking down your debt or utilizing debt. I'm like listening, like taking down, <laughs> like, you know, trying to fix my own life over here. Yeah. So that's awesome. Like that is just for somebody in that situation, just knowing that financial freedom isn't, you know, 10, 15 years down the road. It can be in the next three to five years, they could have financial freedom. Yeah, like my wife and I, and I don't remember if it was eight or nine months, but we didn't get a new job. We didn't go, you know, talk about a side hustle in a second, but we didn't start a side hustle. We kept everything the way it was. And we paid off $56,000 in debt using those principles wow. of the debt snowball. And then um, the envelope system, and this is another piece to Dave Ramsey's process. And so, Envelope system is this. Whatever your monthly cost of living is, you put it out on an envelope. Groceries, fuel, cell phone, 
whatever. And it may take you a couple months to get to this point where you can fill the envelopes, but whether it's in free banking accounts that you can get or whether it's actual envelopes which we use, we still use to this day, you put in money for those envelopes and you don't don't pass it. And, it, and it's it's a it's a it's a structured way to do it. It's not easy, but once you get in a mentality of it, it's easy. It's rigid at first, but it's like anything else. Any habit that's worth having is going to be a little bit harder first. But then it teaches you how to manage your money. And then the other piece I was going to say, and maybe think about this, was um, if somebody has like a, something that they can make, something that they can arbitrage, buy it low, sell it high. Like Gary Vee is a great person to listen to for this. If you want to check out Gary Vee, he talks about going into a dollar store, buying something for a dollar, selling it for five or ten dollars online. That's a real thing. It takes time. But you can work your nine to five and then on you know Friday, Saturday night or all day Friday, Saturday, you can make an extra couple hundred bucks. Yep. And so eventually you can make extra money to get to those first checkpoints quicker. And then you may find something you love and you start a business and you work it on nights and weekends. And then eventually you have a business. So there's so many ways to make extra money. Go drive Uber, go drive Lyft, like go help somebody with, if you have a trade, right? A lot of people in this industry, you know, coming through your, your, your system, they might have a skill or something they're great at that if they can do that on the side of their nine to five, eventually they can stop trading time for money. Yeah, that's all. I love Gary Vee. And yeah, he was, I literally was just listening to the episode where he was talking about going and go to TJ Maxx and, you know, buy certain number, you know, certain amount of clothing and you can triple your money. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> it takes time. Everything takes time. That's the thing. No matter what you do, and this is the flip factor, so like everything's going to take time, but know that time isn't guaranteed. You have to put the effort in and you have to enjoy it. Yeah. You're not enjoying it while you can do it. So. Right, exactly. That's awesome. That's some great advice from that is just going to push somebody that is right there at that 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 line. I think it's going to help push them over and get, get them started on a, a thriving life. So I kind of want to flip a little bit and talk about your nonprofit because I think yeah. that is awesome and amazing. And I want to, I know we've talked a little bit about it, but I don't know if we've ever had a full discussion about it. So yeah. I don't even know the name of it. Yeah. So one last piece of the finance thing that I thought of as we were speaking was um, find a mentor, find someone that is where you want to be. You know, for me, my mentor was in business and he was an investment manager and he had a lot of things that I liked outside of business, but don't take advice from broke people. Don't take advice from people that aren't where you want to be. And a lot of times you're taking advice from friends or family because that's who you're around. You have to insulate yourself from people. And this is how you build that mindset. Find people that are where you want to be. So like, let's say you want to be a financial planner. I'm not going to go take advice on how to become a financial planner from a medical doctor. Even though a medical doctor is super smart and they're great at what they do, if they've never built my type of company and succeeded in it, I'm not going to take advice from them and they may have something negative to say about it, I'm gonna to go to find somebody where I wanna be and how to get there and show me how to get there. So a mentor is really huge. And don't take advice from broke people or people that have never done what you're trying to accomplish is my other thing. The thing with Alana's Angels is the name of the nonprofit. So our daughter was named Alana and you know we started off with how this was, you know, we went through counseling, we went through therapy, and we started getting some healing and some coaching and mentoring and we, you know, as, Students at heart, my wife and I, and as growth-minded people, we're always learning, we're always growing. We're also leaders and we teach and we give back. And so it was just a natural fit, natural um, process to be able to take what we've learned and share it back with people and help people. 
And so there was an organization my wife was a part of, and I had visited a few times called Kindermorn. And Kindermorn's out in Charlotte, North Carolina. And that's where we were living when we lost Alana. And so they were giving us some insight, and they basically were building infrastructure in our minds on how to do this one day. And basically what happened was over the years, um, we, we, we never lost remembrance of Alana. And for a lot of people that lose children, it's super hard. Miscarriage all the way up to the death of an adult child, a loss is a loss, and it's super hard. Sometimes people try not to remember it, and that's fine. That's one way to do it. But we really embrace remembrance. And so every year on her birthday, we did a balloon release. So we'd go outside, and we'd talk about her a little bit. And we do it with our sons now. Our five-year-old son and our three-year-old son know who their sister in heaven is. And so we would let balloons go, and we did this. Pennies from heaven became a thing where, like, if we found a penny on the ground, it was something like a poem that we saw along the way that would, like, know that, like, our loved one was thinking about us from heaven kind of thing. And it just led into this whole, like, helping other people. Uh, we did this. The first thing I think we did was the 40 or 50 person community balloon release we had in Dunwoody, uh, one of the dog parks up there, beautiful place. We have local businesses that, like, uh, donated from public. We have, like, breads and desserts and some the local uh, coffee place. We had coffee. And, like, so we have, like, all these little things. And we had this huge circle of like 50 people who were just sharing and talking about their lost loved ones. Some of them didn't. Some of them were quiet about it. But they were there in honor of their lost child. And we let the balloons go, and it was this huge thing. And ever since then, which was years ago, it turned into more of a, a consistent how to help people. And then we would align ourselves with counselors, with people that could help uh, in other ways outside of the events that we would do and provide professional services. And then we would start linking up people at these events that we would meet with these counselors, with these people that would help them get through some of these things therapeutically. We didn't know that's therapeutic, but like ongoing therapeutic services. And so it, it grew into a way to help people with those services. But, you know, as with raising a family and my wife's in a senior position in her company and me building this business, we put it kind of on the shelf for now. But it's definitely in, uh, you know, someone needs help now, we can still help them. Uh, there's still processes in place where we can connect people and help them through what we do. But as we move along uh, over the next, you know, six to 12 months, it's on our plan and it's on our goal set to be able to re- breathe life into it and, and get people some help. That's awesome. I think it's amazing because like you said, a loss is a loss. It doesn't matter when it happened. And yep. people have so much trouble going through the grieving process that it's just, it, it's a wonderful organization that I think you guys have. When you lost Alana, was there, um, again, the, like what steps did you take to help you through that process and help your wife through that process in case, you know, there's miscarriage is huge in a domestic violence world just because of the abuse and the stress and everything. And so I can guarantee you a lot of our listeners have probably suffered a miscarriage. So what were some of the steps that you guys took to be where you are today? The wrong ones at first. Uh, so <laughs> we were running our company in Charlotte, North Carolina. We had about 35 people that were working with us in the company, uh, outside sales reps, some managers that were helping support our mission. And it was a very much, you know, they got their teeth kicked in every day because they were working on commission. They were going outside to business to business, cold call, trying to sell something. Uh, and so our position was to be leaders in terms of knowledge, teaching them how to do this, and also motivating, like getting people excited to go eat crap all day. You're going to talk to 100 people and you may find 10 yeses every day. And you're working 10 to 12 hours a day. It's not an easy job. 
but there was there was reasons why people were doing it. But anyway, so the why I say that to say is the wrong way that I handled it was um, I got I mean I was depressed. I got depressed and I went from you know whatever weight I was and I ballooned up and I gained some weight and I started getting lazy and within the first because the what I did at first was instead of dealing with it, I basically just swept it under the rug and just kept status quo and like worked harder and like tried to focus on the business more and like didn't deal with it. It's the worst thing you can do. Worst thing you can do. And so it started uh, bleeding out in my life through my diet, through my, my health and wellness, which was awful at the time. Um, and again, you know, depression took over. And after about three months, I was in a, probably a full-blown depression, but wasn't paying attention to it. And I realized that I wasn't the person that I thought I was, and I couldn't leave this team of people that I was in charge of. So I, that's when I, I shut that company down at that time. But from there, it was cathartic because it let us move on to the next iteration of life, which is where instead of working 70, 80, 90 hours a week, we were able to go back and work 40, 50 hours a week for somebody else. So we, we didn't have the responsibility of running a company, managing a bunch of people. We, we could kind of just kind of chill a little bit. You still work, but you chill. And then we're able to find ourselves. And so from there, what we did is we got into therapy, found an amazing organization here in Georgia called Broken Chains. Broken Chains International, that's your talk to the world. A guy that was running it has now become like really big with that organization, Kevin Daly. Uh, he's a Christian counselor. He really helped Alicia and I get through a lot of that stuff. So through counseling, through therapy, talking about stuff, working through things, uh, a lot of it turned into couples counseling too, like just the whole thing. You need advice in life. You need advice from wise counsel, from people that have been through what you're going through and pull you through to the other side or show you how to get through to the other side. And so it went from depression to just kind of despair, wallowing around, not really fully living life, to taking control and having people surrounded with us that could help us. And then they say that when you're when you become a master of something, you have to teach something. And so we always knew this in our sales organization because we would always teach people how to sell and how to overturn reject, uh, objections and how to, you know, all these different things. And every time we got in front of the room on the whiteboard, let's, let's, let's have a honey right now, it reaffirms your knowledge. And so eventually we became, when we were students, which still are, we started teaching these things to other people. And so now it became a cathartic way to continue to breathe, continue to go through the process of healing. But you're never fully done. You're never fully formed. That's the beauty of life. You're always growing. You're always learning. And so I would say that was the transition. And then eventually, you know, we got to a point now where we just, we, we were in Thanksgiving. We go to Charlotte every year and that's where her grave is. Uh, and we visit her site and we, we have the boys come out there with us after we see my sister for Thanksgiving and my wife, my two boys, we go redecorate for the holidays her grave site. And so we put in new flowers and we put in little the boys bought like these little toys and we put them like on the gravestone. We remember her and we say a little prayer and we think about her. My wife loses her shit and starts crying buckets. And the boys know her, know their sister. Even though they never met her, they know her name, they know her birthday, they know about her. And so that's another way to carry on her memory. So that's what I would say. So you got to go through the shit to get to the glory and always like remember your loved one. However you do that. It doesn't have to be how we did it. It could be in silence. It can be... Uh, in front of people, but don't ever lose that memory because that life matters. Right, exactly. So was there, is there anybody that you think helped you through that process or was it kind of like an internal reflection where you were like, you know, I don't want to be this person who I'm being right now. Or did somebody kind of like tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, wake up. We got to no. keep moving. 
It was both. It was internal. It was always assessing, reevaluating, re calibrating where I'm at in life. It was utilizing mentors. Uh, and in this instance, it was Kevin Daly from Broken Chains International, someone who could walk us through, pick up the pieces and become whole people again. And then it was, again, what I talked about earlier with mindset, surrounding yourself with people that are inspiring, that can challenge you, that can grow with you, and being excited about the uncomfortability of growth. Because let's face it, sometimes people don't want to hear where they suck. And for me, I'm not the guy that you could tell. And I learned this through my wife, and she's like really great at this. I think all women are. But like, <laughs> she's, uh, she's great at telling me the one thing I suck at. And she hits the friggin' nail on the head all the time. It's like, shit, I'm really like not just where I thought I, it grounds you, it humbles you. Yeah. Because you think you're doing 99 things right, but you're not. You think you're doing 99 things right, you're crushing life, and then all of a sudden you're like, you suck over here. And like, well, yeah. So surrounding yourself with the right people, getting counselors, coaches, advisors, and every, you should always have wise counsel around you, whether it's through the nonprofit, whether it's financial planning, whether it's, uh, you know, legal advice. You want people around you, like your center of influence, your sphere of influence that can help you grow, but you can help grow too. And again, that goes back to that rule of thirds. Eventually, when you have enough information, you can start bringing other people up and cathartically helping them as a coach or a mentor, even if it's not an official title. You're just helping people and leaving the world a little bit a better place. Okay. So what are you working on now? How are you going to you know, restart this nonprofit or yeah. your... Um, so there's a couple things. Yeah, the, the few things that I'm working on right now, there's three. Uh, so there's 46 and two wealth partners, uh, which is quote unquote a new company, but it, it's, it's taken a lifetime to get here. And it's something I've been working on for years. Uh, and it's doing very well. I'm very, like the most humble guy in the world. Uh, very lucky and thankful and, and blessed. I guess that's the way to put it. But working on teaching people, you know, the true wisdom of wealth so that we can share in it together. It's a beautiful partnership. So my entrepreneurial clients, my family, uh, clients, my individual clients, sharing that wisdom with them so that we can grow in life together. And that's one thing that I focus on. The second thing is the Jesse Key Show, which is a podcast that interviews entrepreneurs, thought leaders, athletes, uh, creators on their journey, uh, talk about their life, their story, and, and how we can give those ideas back to growth-minded people that want to level up in life, relationships, health, wellness, and business. And then the third thing, the nonprofit, uh, because those are two of my focal points right now. I, I have my hands in those two things every week all week. The nonprofit, the way that looks is my goal is to take Alicia, um, we've talked about this a ton, and she wants to step down from the corporate world and refocus on a lot of things. And so that means uh, me building out a little bit more in 4062 Wealth Partners and maybe by 2020, my goal was by August 2020, which is her 41st birthday, if she so chooses to retire her from that job. And then she can focus on family time with the kids but also building out a lot of angels and reinvigorating that because we've done little things here and there. We haven't let it go, uh, but there's so much we can pour into that mission and so many people we can help and there's so much there that it's just a matter of time. So the goal for, for a lot of angels is to get it reinvigorated in 2020 and really have it just firing and helping a ton of people as we go along. That's awesome. I wish you the best of luck in 2020 Thank and you. overall. I appreciate it. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So what can you recommend to our listeners to help them through a tough situation was, I know that you have been through numerous situations that I don't know if tough is even a, a good word for it. So what, what would you recommend to them? Don't ever give up. And as, as cliche as that sounds, and as hard as it may be sometimes, 
as long as you're breathing, you still have a chance, right? And as long as you can, there's a, I forget his name, I want to say it's Les Brown, who, who's got this, he's a great motivational guy. He talked about, um, you know, if, if you can look up, you can get up, right? And this is something, you know, after being bullied for years, I turned towards martial arts and, you know, I've been knocked on my ass a bunch and, you know, taking beatings, giving beatings kind of thing. But if you can open your eyes, and I think about this, like if you're, if you're knocked down, but you can look up and you can see, you can get up, right? And so I think that for people that are going through a tough time, they're either it's self-induced or it's, it's the world that's just giving them a ton of shit, bad breaks. As long as you can open your eyes and step forward and just keep moving forward a little bit every day, just like anything else, it's compound interest. It just adds up and eventually your life becomes amazing. So whether that's your nutrition, whether that's your, your mental well-being, reading books, listening to podcasts, uh, connecting with inspiring people, the more at-bats you have in positivity and in love, you'll win. That's awesome. Speaking of books and podcasts, what is a podcast that you listen to or book that you read or audiobook that gives you strength every day? Yeah, that's a great question. Outside of your podcast? So, right. um, yeah. <laughs> So, you know, for me, being growth-minded, I want to resonate and be around people that are the same uh, growth-minded individuals. So there's a few podcasts that I'm currently listening to today. One of them is the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Aubrey Marcus is a human optimization uh, guru, essentially. And he's a human guinea pig. He does a lot of things to try to figure out health and wellness. And he's big on community and tribe and helping people grow and become better human beings. I'm actually a part of his mastermind called Fit for Service. Fit for service basically just means being fit physically, mentally, and emotionally, spiritually to be able to serve other people. And that would be through business or, again, through health and wellness or just through any kind of act of kindness. And so he's a huge proponent for me. I love Joe Rogan. People kind of have a polarizing look on him. But he's an amazing person if you listen to him. Uh, and also he has some of the sharpest minds in the world on his podcast. You can learn from those people. And that would be my, my hack is listen to the smart people and learn what they're doing. Uh, Tim Ferriss is great at this. Tim Ferriss is another podcaster called The Tim Ferriss Show. So the first one's the Aubrey Marcus podcast, pretty easy to remember. Joe Rogan podcast is the second one. Tim Ferriss is the third one. And he is someone who I've kind of modeled my podcast after, where he interviews people that tell their story. And then through their experiences, people can learn. Some of the books, the audio books that are really shaped me, especially recently, is one called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. David Goggins has one of the most incredible stories in the world of living a shit life and becoming almost superhuman, but still being humble in the process. And uh, you know, he went from a lot of similar things that I went through to being qualified Navy SEAL, qualified Army Ranger, qualified Air Force Taxi, and he almost made Delta Selection. Like some of the most pinnacle things a military person can do, he did it all. Yeah. And he did it all with the power of the mind. And he talks about mindset, and that's why I have that picture behind me. The first thing he talked about is like own your shit and then let it go. And the way you let it go is like for me coming out with a lot of this stuff, you know, a couple of years ago, I thought this was taboo to talk about a drug habit or talk about being bullied or whatever. Number one, it's maybe who I am. So I'm not afraid of it. And it's helped a lot of people when I talk about it because they, they've been through some of these same things too. Yeah. And so it's a great book. Um, it gives you 10 steps on how to callous your mind and how to become mentally stronger. So it's a, it's a practical book, it's a feel-good book, and it's a real book. And so I would go with Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins. 
I'm also listening to the Book of Truth right now by Paul Selig, uh, and it talks about how we could be closer to God and divinity and all these different things. So just whatever you're learning and whatever you're into, focus on that. Go to YouTube University, go to a podcast. You can get all this stuff for free pretty much. And whatever you want to build, whatever you want to learn, however you want to grow, there's something for everyone. You just got to start. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So I know you've got the Jesse T show and that is um, an awesome show to listen to if you're not out there listening to it already definitely do that is it just the jesse t show if they search that on yeah, whatever so if you go to, to the youtube channel it's called the jesse j-e-s-s-e t is t-e-e everett everett the jesse t show and it's on youtube under that uh title and if you go anywhere podcasts can be downloaded it's the jesse t show podcast awesome how else can our listeners uh find you social media or anything sure. Yeah, so um, I'm on all social media platforms. I'll tell you that I'm not huge on Twitter. I don't spend a lot of time there, but I am on Twitter. Uh, but my, my main places are Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. On Instagram, it's at Jesse T, which is T-E-E, the number one. So at Jesse T1. Facebook, it should be the same, at Jesse T. Um, on Twitter, it's Jesse, at Jesse T81, zero, four, eight, one. And then uh, if you look up Jesse T on LinkedIn or Jesse T Disco, T-O-P-I-S-C-O on LinkedIn, you'll find me there. Awesome. Jesse, thank you so much. Like you said, a lot of these stories are taboo. And that's the reason that we are doing this show is to talk about taboo things because it does make everybody who they are and people should not be afraid to tell their stories and, and do that. So thank you so much for being on our show today. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I really do uh, respect, love, and appreciate both you and Zach. You both made an impact in my life, and I know you're going to continue to do the same for everybody that you touch. So keep picking up, girl. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Got it. Bye. If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2ThrivingATL, T-O, Thriving, ATL or online at 2thriving.org.